0: future. My parents, my co-workers, my girlfriend. I'll never see any of them again. Yahoo! Good news, everyone. I'm back, baby.
1: Welcome to the new, new Four Finger Discount review of Futurama. I am Mitch. I am Dan.
2: Are you excited? Because I'm excited.
1: I'm that excited I spoke first. Now, (laughs) uh, regular listeners of our Four Finger Discount podcast will know that for the last few years we've been reviewing The Simpsons. We are giving you this episode. We're stopping The Simpsons now. (laughs) Simpsons are done. (laughs) We are against what they've done about a poo and the responses. And we just went, you know what? We don't want to be associated with the brand anymore. Um, No, so we are, for our Patreon subscribers, for our $5 plus Patreon subscribers, we're doing an exclusive run of Futurama podcasts, but to give you a little taste of what you're missing out on, like any good drug dealer, we're giving you this one for free. Yes. So, Dando, how can... If, if people like this, if they like the ensuing 60 minutes or 90 minutes or however the fuck long we talk for, how can
2: they get access to this? You go to patreon.com slash four-finger discount and for $5 plus patrons, you get access into the rest... We're going to do season one of future, not the entire series just yet. Depends how well it's received. Yeah. People might not like this show. No, but th- what's <laughs> kind of cool about this is that
1: we're going to be able to tailor it more, to, like direct feedback from the guys that want it the most. So, you can shape the reviews you can shape the show shape the season to more of an extent than you've ever been
2: able to before this show is for you guys the patrons now they've suggested that they don't want us to do a full run through from start to finish Mm. do they they want us to more delve into the the themes of the episode and the hidden gags things like that. that's what the drum is about yeah exactly right so much more depth than
1: even even then like even in the earliest episodes of the Simpsons there is so much densely packed into these episodes to uh, go through it's going to be a lot of fun to crack in and um, I, look, I'm calling it already. It's going to be the best Futurama podcast review that you'll ever hear. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> A bit early. as long as we're selling stuff, Dando, I will point out that our book, Homer's Odyssey, an Big and Simpsons Guide is now available in America. So all of you guys that are stateside, any one of the 50 states, it doesn't matter now. You can pop on down to a bookstore or you can jump onto your Amazon. You can spend your American dollars at an American bookstore, support an American
2: job. America. And read- and, no, Oh, it's just America. And read an Aussie book. Now, Mitch, Futurama, Space Pilot 3000, What were your first thoughts of Futurama? So in my head, I
1: and I honestly don't know if the timelines are accurate on this, but I feel like the late '90s, early 2000s, there was a flurry of really exciting to me cartoons that were coming out. So The Simpsons had reigned supreme for a really long time. You'd had little ones like Duckman or Dilbert. Uh, Dil- no, well, oh. Dilbert was another one. Dilbert was in your exciting run for me. I, I was going to say '90s Dilbert. No, I was late. I'm sure it was late, but anyway, okay. um, uh, the Oblongs and those sorts of things. Like, yeah, you were starting to get Family a few more guy cartoons. Was just starting. Exactly right. So, Futurama, Family Guy and Dilbert, for me, were like the
2: holy trinity of the next wave of adult cartoons. Yeah. Um, well, we were how old? So, this is not... I think came out early 2000s in Australia when it first aired. Yeah. So, so we would I would have been, have been 14, 14 13, 14? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I was sort of developing very much into that nerd, sci-fi loving, space loving, yeah. futuristic, all that sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, outside of those other shows, and Dilbert is nerd comedy is as good as any, but this had the added pedigree of being connected to The Simpsons, a show that I'd loved for such a long time. Whereas Dilbert was coming from a Seinfeld background, but I didn't even realise that until I was older because it was, you know, Larry Charles. And when you're a 13-year-old kid, you most 13-year-old kids don't know the name of the director of Seinfeld episodes. Yes, yeah. um, so this was like from the OG Matt Groening, the guy that created One Love of My Life, and I was pretty guaranteed... I was was pretty sure
2: that he was going to create a second from before I'd even seen this. Did you like the show from the beginning? I remember not appreciating it. I think 12-year-old Dando or 13-year-old Dando was expecting it to be The Simpsons 2.0. Because it wasn't, I was just... And I wasn't a sci-fi nerd quite so much as I am now at that point. I didn't quite get it. It wasn't until a few years later that I went back. I bought. I remember buying the DVD season two with my birthday money from Kmart and Cario. Went back, mm-hmm. blew my mind. That was when I really fell in love with the show. Two or three years later, you mean
1: someone really bought something from Kmart and Cario? <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> um, no, I loved it straight away for the fact that it was so different, and yeah. but for different reasons to what I came to like the show for. Like again, I I was a fairly precocious fourteen year old, but there was still stuff in, going on in this that was well ahead of me um the little things like bender's exclamation i am unstoppable and then his arms falling off i found hilarious bender literally shitting a brick later yeah. in the episode <laughs> was something that i found hilarious um but what i did have an immediate connection to was fry he was so relatable so instantly and i mean that's a combination of the writing and of billy west's performance that's straight out of the blocks so i was like all right I may not be 100% hooked on everything, but I am 100% hooked on this kid from from
2: minute one. I think of all the sh- of all the characters on the show, he's the most like a Simpsons character. You can picture his Fry being from Springfield. Yeah. I guess because he's from the time the Spring- uh, Simpsons were set. Well, yeah, set. true. Yeah, that helps. But just as a, as a character, I just believe he w- it was as well. Yeah. But when he watched the show, I love that they didn't make it Simpsons 2.0 in a sense now. When I was a kid, that's what I wanted. But I feel like they could have easily slipped in more Simpsons gags and made it Simpsons heavy. The only reference was Blinky. Blinky the Three-Eyed Fish, yes. But so they were able to make this show that had the Simpsons feel to it, but it was completely different at the same time.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, they have to do. And I think any creator, anyone that's worth their salt wants to do that. You don't want to just, unless you're Michael Bay, you don't want to just keep making the same shit over and over and over (laughs) again. You kind of want to get out and push yourself in new directions. Um, And it's not like... A guy like Matt Groening, it's not like The Simpsons was his only ever idea either. So, you know, he he's bound to have more stuff going on at the top of his head. So it's very, it was so exciting to see it, something fresh after after such a long time. Like, it gets to the point that a Simpsons episode comes out, everyone feels like they
2: could write one. And then suddenly you get something, you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think what made me lose interest in the show in the first season as well was Channel 7 just fucked it over. The air dates okay. were all over the place, and particularly in the later seasons as well. It'd be Monday night at 9.30, then it'd be a Thursday at 11. It was so hard to keep up. And I've read that they did the same thing in the States. After two or three episodes, it got demoted to like after King of the Hill on a Tuesday. Right, okay. They just King lost of, faith in I forgot in it. about King of the Hill. It mustn't have hit massive numbers early then, if well, that was the no, case. No, no, the first episode
1: was the highest rated Fox debut in history. Right. Well, then maybe it was more a case of not knowing how to market it, because it wouldn't be the first time that Fox have had a an amazing T V show and just butchered it.
2: Did they didn't have Firefly, did they?
1: I don't think so. I think I mean Firefly's always been shown on FX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what
2: well, what was what's another show that Fox has butchered that was a hit? Uh or could have been a hit.
1: Well, Arrested Development, I'm pretty sure Fox owned Arrested Development. Did they really? Okay. Um, and uh The Good Guys, one of the best fucking comedy cop buddy shows what is that? in existence. That's got Colin Hanks and Bradley Whitford. And it's an homage and parody of... Like, homage to and parody of all... Of, like, Lethal Weapon, basically. So, what what is now packaged as a Lethal Weapon with Damon Waynes, Like, that TV show. Um, what? Yeah, there's a TV show? There's a TV series of oh, Lethal Weapon. Damon Wayne's Best avoided. <laughs> it's everything that that show should have been, but at a time where they had clearly no idea how to market it, because it only lasted one season. And the only reason that show did not get good
2: ratings is that it wasn't sold well. Do you think Futurama was a victim of when it first came out as well? I think probably... Wait. Was the world not quite ready for it?
1: Again, ahead of its time, yeah, I would have thought. In the same way that I think Dilbert was, in that nerd culture and nerd comedy had not fully been embraced yet. Even now, you've got shows like Silicon Valley, which do very well, but not on a wide scale. I think the Big Future, Bang Theory
2: really capitalised on that. Yeah, but that's not... I don't not, like it, but...
1: That's not... This is Big Bang Theory is comedy about nerds Big Bang Theory is what people who aren't geeks think geeks are like exactly it's what a bloke at a construction site thinks a guy like me acts like when I get home whereas Silicon Valley Futurama that is comedy written by a guy like me for a guy like me and I think Futurama would have done better on had we had today's subscription services had we had Netflix taken off and all that sort of thing that's the Futurama would have been the perfect show for that
2: but still they bring it back now and it still doesn't last long The ratings still just aren't quite there. Yeah,
1: but now the times passed as well. Yeah, the hype's down. Yeah, and it it came and it disappeared and then it came back and like it's hard to keep that momentum going.
2: How did Family Guy stay so consistent? Because it was more lowbrow, way more lowbrow. It was
1: way easier to attract common viewers what, what did you love most I don't I mean that
2: as like ooh the common viewers <laughs> don't let them into my house Dando I don't want them to sully my TV with their filthy eyes what draw you the most to future see for me what I remember when I got the DVDs what I loved was they they rewarded the fans who paid attention yeah Pl- planting things in episodes that paid off a season or two later I never watched it religiously enough to pick up
1: on those yeah, gaps. Yeah, I really did. That, it,
2: that David set, man.
1: It's It was really, for me, more... and I am looking forward to that, actually. And I've probably... A show like Arrested Development has taught me more how to pay attention to, you know, gags. Uh, even Frasier, actually. Gags that are set up and they're not paid off for a very long time. But for me, it was really just the subject matter was different. Like, there weren't people making jokes about alien races on TV. True. And very... Smart jokes about them. And, but there's also then this mix of the kind of broader stroke, crass comedy down the bottom, like Bender uh, brings that, Zap Brannigan brings that to the table in space. Yeah. There's a lot of even little things like what I remember. I think it's, is it episode two where Hermes well, is going to kill himself? Yells out, I'm going to jump, Bender, do a flip. Like when I was <laughs> a 13 year old. That is hilarious. Yeah. Like that, that was the, that was peak of comedy for me. That was the stuff that got me talking the next day. And then when you, when I grew up and you start studying maths and that sort of thing, then you realize that there's so much more going on in there. And that that's, I think I'll come back to again. It was just jokes about things that you had never seen before. And then they would do parodies in brilliant ways. Like Mm. the, the um, the Ware car episode is still one of my favorite TV episodes of any show of all time.
2: Well, I love the anthology of interest. I think it's number two where the world is uh, like the aliens are from Nintendo 64. Yeah. And the whole world is like a video game. Yep. It's like it's their version of Trials of Horror, essentially. Um, The anthology of interest episodes. Fuck, that is amazing. Yeah, that ten minutes of television. Can I go to some Patreons? Yeah, go for sure in the four finger discount,
1: four finger discount
2: uh, Facebook Patreon page. Go for it. Um, So, what did you ask them?
1: Well, basically, what we're currently talking about: memories of the pilot, the lead up to it. Yeah, uh, and is there anything, anything in particular that they're looking forward to throughout the podcast? Um, Stormy Salengo saying that she remembers the opening song being insanely different to any show that she'd heard before. Mm.
2: Like it's, I mean, it's a very, it's almost just one note at a time the whole way um, through. You no, know, Matt Groening was concerned that there was too much happening in the opening intro visually. Yeah, okay. He thought oh, we're going to take some stuff out, but no, I think it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want the year three thousand yeah. to be a busier time. Yeah,
1: Lois Mweki saying that she's always seen the Simpsons as being more quotable, but. I, I, I almost yeah, that's sl- true. I we almost want to yeah. slip into a Patrick Bateman voice when I, do this, <laughs> when I read this out, actually. Don't do it. <laughs> I've always seen The Simpsons as being more quotable, but Futurama speaks to me in a better way, and for me, given me more frequent laughs. Um, so, basically, it's more satisfying, but in a narrower way. <laughs> Uh, Joseph O'Hara has actually made a really good point here. So similar, he's saying that he's he's actually enjoyed Futurama more than The Simpsons. Um, mm, okay. For him, how old be, is, how, he's younger though, isn't he? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Um, I mean, guys, if you could please comment with your date of birth, that would be excellent for Thank when you. Dando asks me follow up questions. Yes. Um, I just think because younger viewers might they didn't grow up with The Simpsons, so they're not possibly that same yeah, connection to it could have connected yeah. more to uh, Futurama. Um. Anyway, he, so he says he has a love of sci-fi, but not only that, there are so many references that he never got until he was an adult or after he passed his maths exam in college. Mm-hmm. But the the really big point for me, he feels, and I have to agree, that the characters were very much more thought out from the very beginning. Yeah. From like this pilot episode, they're all so well-crafted, fully-formed characters. It's not like... The fur and, and, and my memory of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like the first episode of The Simpsons. Sorry, the first season of The Simpsons, where you see the writers figuring out who these guys are as they go. The way Fry acts in this pilot episode
2: is exactly the way I'd expect him to act if I was watching an episode from season four. That's see, that's because it's, you can't really compare the first episodes of The Simpsons compared to Futurama because Matt Granny and David X. were given time. Yeah. Plan like yeah. Fox trusted them by this point. No, I mean, you can compare, there's reasons, but yeah. You there can is, still yes, exactly. make that comparison. Yeah, yeah, you
1: dive in and it feels familiar, it does. Distant. Yeah,
2: the, the voices are a little bit off, but that's expected for a pilot episode, they're not gonna a be, bit, yeah, yeah, especially for things like future But I just think you're watching this, and as a pilot overall, it does exactly what it should have done. It gets every, it introduces the three main characters, the, yeah. I, I like that it didn't introduce everyone because it would have been too overwhelming. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, these are the three ones that you need to worry about uh interestingly jason Cannon never really loved the show
1: if he's being honest he enjoyed it but never really had the same love as it he did for the simpsons
2: yep i can understand that
1: last one of these shane gavin really loved the voice work and the animation style while similar to simpsons in some ways it was very different in others um, particularly their use of 3d uh it was noticed there was also noticeably more sass from the beginning of the episode which as a 10 year old he thought was the best thing ever
2: can you remember when you first heard about that futurama was coming out I, I couldn't specify the exact moment,
1: more just a general feeling of
2: buzz. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I remember I was at my Uncle Darren's place and I had no idea Futurama was coming out. And my uncle always bought the TV guide. And I was flicking through and there was a picture of Fry in there. And I was like, oh, he looks like a Simpsons character. Who's that? Mm. And it said, Simpsons created a releasing new show. And it was literally like that week. It, like, yeah, figured, right. I, I had no idea it was coming out until that week. I was like, holy shit. It was like a, a landmark event. It was like the Who Shot Mr. Burns part two. It was huge. Mm. I remember my sister and I sitting there. My sister was bored like 15 minutes in, because she just didn't get it. But I do remember the one moment where we both laughed out loud was Fry meeting Leela, question about the eye.
0: (laughs) Good afternoon, sir. Mm. Name? Uh, Fry. I'm Leela. Now it's New Year's Eve, so I'd like to decide your fate quickly and get out of here. Can I ask you a question? As long as it's not about my eye. Uh. Is it about my eye? Sort of. (sighs) Just ask the question. What's with the eye?
1: Can I pick on one thing that I've noticed in the pilot that makes no sense?
0: Yeah, go for
2: it.
1: Yeah. He's in the cryogenics room, yep. comes out of the cryogenics room, does his bits and pieces. Yes. He exits on a street level. After he escapes. Yes. Later, we see New New York is built above Old New York. Uh-huh. And fairly high above because he actually goes to the Rockefeller Plaza and a fair portion of that building is still standing below the street level of New New York. It should have been the same building. So, how is the building that he was in still around and still on street level? Or well, maybe it's not the same building. They just moved the. Uh, we see a time lapse while he's asleep. Everything happens in the background. They show us a thousand years pass by. It should have, yeah. Mm. So, what the fuck, Futurama? <laughs> you went as far as making sure that, like the the joke about the museum joke. It's free on Tuesdays. You went as far as making sure that. Um, December 31, 2,999 is a Tuesday. Yeah. But you've just left him in a building that should have been derelict and destroyed.
2: Yeah. There's no other explanation. There's no way of Not that I'm aware of. Unless something comes up in later episodes that retcons it. If you've got an explanation, mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au let us know Mm. because I've got nothing. You got me. You stumped me. Mm. I'm never going to watch this episode the same way again. (laughs) They actually do make reference to that moment in Bender's Big Score. So that's one of the things they planned. Actually, no. I feel like this is one of those things where they decided later on to make that as if that's what they meant from the beginning. So Bender's Big Score, yes, the spaceships going past. Yeah, that's actually Bender that was doing driving those ships. Yeah, that's not something they had planned from the beginning. No, I don't think it would have been. That's a callback. Yeah. Whereas Nibbler, Nibbler's Shadow, Nibbler's Shadow was inserted from yeah, the beginning. A lot of people aren't quite sure whether that actually. They swear by it that that was in the pilot when it first aired. Yeah, and it didn't get added for the DVDs. If they did this in the actual airing of the pilot, that's incredible. Well, as you said, they swear by it. It's every website,
1: every like they've all spoken that that was a thing, and that's what the benefit of two years gives you because yeah. in two years you're not just creating the first few characters; you're starting to create side
2: characters and figure out how they are going to blend into the series. Other things that they planned for the fans that want to pay attention is that the alien language. Yeah, and apparently people figured that out within two hours. People are really good at breaking codes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that It's of- a
1: miracle that Zodiac was never caught.
2: <laughs> I know one of them says drink slurm. So, yeah. there was a sign that said drink slurm with that underneath it. And then later on it had that of just the alien yeah. language. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, and that was enough. Like, they give that
1: little clue of drink. And then people set off. I don't know. Um,
2: it was uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I presume, <laughs> that was breaking the code. <laughs> so... I've always seen Futurama, for many people, it sort of it filled that void of post-Season 9 Simpsons. So you had gone off The Simpsons at the same time. Yeah. So do you sort of see this, the Futurama as sort of a continuation of something good to watch yeah, from the if... from the same creators? Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. It was um, hop off one ship and jump onto another. Yeah, well, I think fans by that point, they were hopping off The Simpsons bandwagon and they wanted something fresh. They've been watching the same show
1: for a really yeah. long time. Like, it gets to a point where... And that like, show
2: is still going. Can you believe The Simpsons? Oh, that's amazing. And about to beat... Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Yes. Yeah. I think they did it last night, Monday. There we go. Yeah, So now it's the so it longest, beaten longest scripted television show of all time. Yeah. It's an incredible achievement. As a pilot, though, do you think this this pilot did what it was supposed to do? Yeah. This is a. It's a better pilot than the Simpsons pilot, for sure. Yeah. It, I, I just love like, it. Admittedly
1: because the Simpsons pilot wasn't meant to be a pilot, but still, it is more rounded, more thought out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very good kickoff to an introduction
2: to it series i wonder how the the discussions in pre-development do you think fox would have said we want you to make the simpsons in the future because the simpsons was a hit by that point they knew um, it they knew it worked what was their thought process was graining do you think you would have had to fight to say we want to make this its own entity while still have Simpsonsque aspects the overbite things like that you notice the ship even has an overbite <laughs> yeah i would hope not i would hope that when you've
1: made that much money for a company, you should be able to come up to them with any idea, no matter how crazy, and have them go, runs on the board, go have a crack. Yeah. Like, you would... You
2: they would, just trust him. You would just hope that that's the way it's done. Yeah, yeah. I think the pilot... What it, See, they could have made a whole episode about Fry going to the future. I love that they wrapped it up within three minutes. because yeah. No one needed to see how he got there. It was just, no. in the future, that's what we came to watch, it's done. It
1: is. We'll crack into some trivia in a sec, but yeah. I will say... Say up to the opening titles that what it does brilliantly is sum up ex- everything about who Fry is in two minutes,
2: and why he doesn't why yeah. him being in the future is what he needed he needed to yeah. get away from that life.
1: We know that he's a no hoper yeah. Um, work and delivery job. What do we think he is? Mid twenties.
2: I'm sure there's an age on Google. I'm, I'm Google sure it. there would be, but I mean, it just as a feeling, I, I would look at, at it this and think at, 20,
1: as in, 24, 25. Yeah. So we're watching this fresh eyes. We've never seen it before. Yeah, like I'd say if, if yeah. you've just turned it on for the first time ever. Yeah, so you're like, mid-twenties delivery boy, that's an issue. Girlfriend riding a, him. Riding a bike, doesn't have a car, that's another issue. Yeah, kids hanging shit on him. Yeah, like everything about... And, and the <laughs> working delivery job where he's not allowed to be tipped.
0: Yes. And,
1: <laughs> that's a great box. And it's a prank. Like, you know, he's spending his New Year's Eve delivering pizza to I.C. Wiener. Yes. Which is a really good pun, by
2: the way, when you're going into a cryogenics lab. Do you know the original script was over two hours long? It had two hours of material. Yeah, right. And it had Fry. It was mostly focusing on him in 1999. Yeah, okay. And they made the sort of decision, people don't really need to see all this. Yeah. Let's just get into the good stuff. And that shot where he first sees the future, that was the first time they used the 3D animation. I think that's what differentiated Futurama from any other uh, Mm. cartoon show on television at that point in time was the animation. The 3D was... It looks fantastic. It does. It's really, really cool. You notice it particularly in the suicide booth as well, all the things coming out. Yeah. It's just... It looks great. How's the knife? The twist on that final knife. Reminded me of something Mo would do. (laughs) I love Bender's... Bring it on, baby!
1: (laughs) Did you... I've got... I I love... My favourite thing about the suicide booth is that Bender rips it off. Yes. (laughs) Get a twofer. (laughs) Well, A, get a twofer. B, gets his coin back anyway.
2: But it's all a moot point because he's planning on... Dying. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) I've read a lot of reviews on this from various sources from back in the day when it first aired, Mm -hmm. and they weren't great. They never, they didn't say it was bad. They just said it was very meh. And mate, do you think we look at this episode and we're reviewing it differently because we know the series as
1: a whole? Not me personally, no. Because again, I've not watched the series as a whole. Um, I've seen episodes from throughout, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. Okay.
2: And I do specifically remember really loving it when it first came out. So on. you're unbiased. Well, I'm, I think I'm more biased. I've just got that connection to yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: no, I I can watch this with 100% fresh eyes.
2: So you think it, was, it did a good job, you don't think it was yes. a meh?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think...
2: It's, it's fair to You understand. know what I
1: think anyone that's reviewing... Personally, I would think if you're reviewing this as meh, one of two things. Nerd comedy, not your thing and that's fine if that's the case.
2: And a lot of people back then probably weren't, yeah.
1: Yep. Or it's shit on the new kid or shit on the new idea. Like, you can't have everything, Matt Damon. It's the same people that would have walked out of Interstellar and gone, yeah, because we loved The Dark Knight, but we're not going to love the next thing you do. Um, And we loved Inception, but no, look, we can't love everything because it starts to upset us that you're so much better at life than we are. So I'm going to write a shitty little review in the New York Times. Like that, I'm always sceptical when someone who's succeeded really hugely gets a resounding meh.
2: It's like the people sitting in the crowd at the football and they hang shit on someone's football skills. Yeah, You're exactly You're a fat guy right. in a seat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's shit. Uh, Disenchantment. So, that's Matt Granning's new show that's coming out on Netflix mm. this year. I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, it should be sweet. Because it's got Bill and Josh writing it. Yeah, awesome. I didn't actually realise that. Um, and but if anything
1: watching this again resets your ability that yeah like he's a good ideas man now I've got some facts but you want to get into mm-hmm. some trivia first no let's, let's get into some h- trivia go facts first. facts will you will like. be a while let's get into some trivia bit, okay. of, fun. bit trivia. of fun
2: trivia first yes uh, I've only got a few questions admittedly because I was a bit too busy I've got seven okay well maybe you go first alright then okay so what was the name of the video game that Fry was playing at the very beginning it was um, it was donkey monkey monkey Oh, son of a
1: bitch Fr- fracker junior Yes. <laughs> <No>. Okay.
2: <laughs> I did poorly at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> when was the last power failure in applied cryogenics? Nineteen ninety-seven. Yes. Yes. Uh, that wasn't one of my questions. I just remember it was going to be one of my questions. Yeah. What level was IC Weena apparently living on? Sixty-four. Correct. Uh, what number cryo chamber does Fry fall That's into? That's my next question. <laughs> Forty. <laughs> uh, how much does it cost to commit suicide in year two thousand nine hundred and twenty five hundred ninety-nine? Twenty-five cents. Twenty-five cents. Correct. Whose head was next to Matt groaning? Barbara Streisand. Yes. Now, who were the other ones that were on the other side? Oh, um, did, was
1: Dennis Rodman in there?
2: Dennis Rodman was one yeah, of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, voice, so, the voice of Maggie? This is, by
1: the way, you want to talk about freeze frame comedy. Oh, great. Like, this is a thing made for DVD.
2: Too much. Yeah.
1: This show was made for the freeze frame generation. Yeah. To the point that I was watching it on my PC and I couldn't actually see it because I couldn't freeze frame. Yeah. I could only skip forward <laughs> 10, 15 it
2: seconds at a time. took me ages to get them, but it, but it's uh, Johnny Carson. Jill- is it Gillian Anderson? from X-Files? I think it is Gillian. Yep. Yep. Uh, David Duchovny, Liz Taylor. Oh, both of the X-Files. Yeah, yeah, both there. next yeah. to each other, yeah. Cool. Speaking of those, we should discuss having the celebrities' heads in a jar. Mm. Genius. Oh, what an amazing idea. Oh, fantastic. What a great way
1: to be able to crowbar in celebrity um, cameos in the future without having to think about what they would do. Yeah. They're just there on a shelf.
2: And how'd they get and Nemoid to eat
1: fish flakes?
0: (laughs) It's so
2: good. I I was going to call it already. That's my favourite part of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, introducing Richard Nixon from the beginning as well. Oh, that's it. You're on my list. (laughs) Wrestling fans, that just made me think of Jericho. You don't watch wrestling, so you don't no, get it. But yeah, Joker okay. has a list; it's great.
1: <laughs> um, the Nimoy thing as well—that's something else that sets up a thing that pays off later, which I didn't realize. When he's like, "Spark, do the thing, do the and, thing," and he's like, "Oh no, oh, I yeah. don't, I don't do that anymore." Now, the initial joke is that he doesn't have hands, yes. so obviously, but then that pays off in a later episode. I'm led to believe when they, when they have to reenact Star where Trek. you find out why he doesn't do that. Yeah,
2: anymore. so I'm looking forward to that. Yes. <laughs> okay, I've got a couple more questions. Uh, What was the name of the suicide brand? So, the name of the...
1: Ah, thank you for using something, something American. Stop
2: and drop. Stop and drop. Yep. What is Leela's officer number? 742. (laughs) 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 1BDI. She's officer 1BDI. Pretty pretty sharp. Yes. (laughs) And what... Oh, I've got what famous heads in the museum. I've already done that one. Yes, so... I've got some facts here. So Fry was originally going to be the night watchman of the cryogenic lab. Right, okay. Which I don't think would have worked. He was also going to be the crew captain, which for me, it, wouldn't have it would not have made it more of like a Homer running the safety of the power plant, a dimwit running something where he shouldn't be. Oh, if he it, took over the ship, It would have yeah. been too Simpson-y. Yeah,
1: and night watchman would have been a little bit too easy. Like a night watchman's not going to accidentally fall into a cryo chamber because he's worked there every day. Yeah, and you don't get the overall payoff as well of... Not wanting to be a delivery boy and then ending Ending it. being a delivery boy. Yeah. It's actually one thing that I really liked about this entire episode is that there's the for all that's going on, there's that constant through line of every character is stuck in a place that they don't want to be, and they're all trying to get away from who they are and make a new version of themselves. Yeah. New 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 York has made a new version of itself. You go from old New York to New New York. Fry is trying to Get a fresh start on his life. Leela decides that this isn't the life that she wants. And Bender has finally had someone tell him that he doesn't have to do just what he's programmed to do. Like everyone, um, all their main characters have got the same motivation to get from where they started the episode to where they ended the episode. It's very cool to watch. Yeah, the different ways that they go through that
2: path. I did get kind of sick of hearing "You got to do what you got to do." It got drilled into our heads a lot.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's it's possibly a little. You got to do what you got to do. It's just I, I guess said a, at least ten times. I guess again. You're still half-pitching a show to kids, so you've got to be able to pander to an extent and make sure that they're following along.
2: Do you think they they wrote this show for kids? Or do you think they hid that under the guise of... it's not
1: written for kids, but you've still got to be able to make sure that kids will be able to watch it and comprehend... Follow it, yeah. ...the plot, the basics of the plot. Yeah. And laugh when Fry gets spat out of a tube.
0: Uh, Crosstown Express? (laughs)
2: I forgot that they introduced the love between uh, Leela and Fry from the very beginning. Yeah. I thought that was something that blossomed later on. That's actually,
1: if there's one thing that changes with characters, it's that she becomes much more, and what's the word? Much less accepting of Fry pretty quickly. Like, as much as it turns around down the track, like, you don't feel like she is fully annoyed by him here.
2: She's finishing. She's she got like a. a teenager crush on him at this point. To an extent. Some yeah. sort of some sort of attraction. But the thing is, like you said, then, he's, he's lonely, she's lonely as well. That's yeah, the connection they have. Yeah. yeah. But then eventually she
1: realises all of the annoying things about it. Well, pretty quickly she realises that there's a lot of annoying things about him. And as much as he's always infatuated with her, you feel like she goes away from him for a bit before
2: eventually coming back. I think it was clever to have her as the crew captain as well. Just that, because mm. in sci-fi you usually have that strong woman. Yeah. She's mm. the sexy sci-fi chick, but she's got one eye. One eye makes it work it does she looks good with one eye (laughs) the Fry Leela thing
1: is um, and again something that sells helps set up Fry as not being completely irredeemable like you're not looking at this absolute loser who deserves it is the moment that he decides to let her out in five minutes I was going to say the exact same thing it's a really beautiful bit of storytelling and character development in that one moment to go no he could have walked away and got away scot-free but he's not
2: a bad guy uh, do you know he was originally going to be taken for auction and bought by the professor for new organs? Really? Yes. Was that one of the, like? Was that, was that how the they were going to meet? Yes, that was one run in the original story. So that was their meet cute. Yes. <laughs> also, the suicide booth was inspired by an old Donald Duck cartoon. Yeah. Don't ask me why. Which yeah, one? Um, uh, Matt Groening said it was inspired by a Donald Duck cartoon. Yeah, so I don't think it was an absolute suicide booth. No, no. But something <laughs> about Donald Duck going to um, suicide booth attacking people. Simpsons is known for catchphrases Homer with dough, that kind of thing. Bender has bite my shiny metal ass. Yeah. I don't think there's any other quotes in Futurama, but one of the quotes they wanted was for the profe- professor to say, I'm already in my pajamas. Good, good news, everyone? That's good news, everyone. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says, I'm already in my pajamas. They thought that was going to be the big quote, like the big. Yeah, right thing for this show and it just didn't take off
1: yeah it's a difficult one to yell out in the street good news everyone is pretty perfect though yeah good news everyone you can deliver for anything yes it doesn't even have to be good news no it's <laughs> funny it, if it's not but it
0: can be good news.
2: As <laughs> usually isn't good news yeah. when he says it yeah
0: <laughs> good news everyone
2: I've also got here that um fry's suit do you know what it's based on whose famous outfit James Dean from Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, yeah, right. I never picked up on it. Like, I never would have either, it but until you said that, yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. yeah, well, it's just red. Yeah. 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 And the you know the bit at the end, just before the 20th century hits, the it's got that dripping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually... Uh, the dripping sound is from a, a short film that Matt Groening's dad made okay, when he was younger, and it's the reflection of a surfboard in the water. Right. That's what the visual is. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I read that Matt had to do a fair bit of work
1: to be able to get... The thirtieth century Fox logo. He actually had to commission really? that out of his own money because Fox didn't. They weren't able to quite comprehend it, and maybe it was about branding or whatever it was. But there was like the, there was a bit of a fight for him to be able to get that in there. It works for the show though. Yeah, it's perfect. It's great, yeah. For a long time though, they never adapted that logo. It's become a so? like it's become a thing of late where they might do twenty like
2: first century Fox now. Yeah. It does. It yeah,
1: does. it did. Uh, it does. But I mean. Yeah. Little things like Ralph singing along with it in the Simpsons movie, or changing the color tone based on what the film would be. They never really did that for a very, very long time. So for DreamWorks, does it for their thing? Yeah, it's become more acceptable now. I think overall, it's almost become a thing. But for a long time, would not be changed. There was a good um, sci-fi reference in here, so Mm -hmm. we we would discuss. I was talking before about when. Fry's in the cryogenic chamber and we see the time lapse in the background. So, did you know what that relates to? Twilight Zone. Uh, uh, No. There might have been elements of the Twilight Zone, but no. it's
2: based on the Twilight Zone.
1: Okay. So, what I was thinking of was the time machine. Time machine. That's what it was, time machine. Is that what you meant to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, there's the moment in the time machine where he gets knocked out, falls onto the stick, and he just stays dead still, knocked out while all of humanity collapses around him. It Um, was a good way of just getting to the point. Yeah. Like, the the transition. And in a funny way. Like, I like that aliens come in and destroy the joint twice. Twice, yeah. yeah. (laughs) How do you think they do at portraying a realistic, as much as you could possibly say this, a realistic version of the future?
2: I was actually going to say the same thing. I think they did a great job of not being too wacky and crazy, but also not too bleak. So, it's not, you know, for example, Blade Runner. It's not like, it doesn't have that kind of feel to it. It's not down in the dumps and everyone's doom and gloom. And it's not too over the top, where everything you, you can believe that it could actually exist. Yeah. at some point, like the transport tube. Yeah, I think Elon Musk is working on a similar
1: thing really? a, as we speak. Not not to that extent, but like, hop in a tube, get from Washington to New York in a short period of time. That would be so fun. You it would imagine, be a lot oh of fun. God,
2: um, just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do what kind of things from this episode do you wish existed now? Oh, how about I don't know
1: necessarily wish existed, but well I was going to go into what I think companies might like. The job assignment is something that however far from now you could see happening that with DNA analysis, all right, this is what you're built to do. Almost like ants. I'm you sure just, some countries that are like you're assigned. Everything. This is your role.
2: <laughs> Off you go. It was a great reveal of him being delivery boy. Yeah it was very funny.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the whole future. I've been given a second chance, and this time I'm not going to be a total loser. What's that? Your permanent career assignment. Delivery boy? No! Not again! Please, anything else! Take your hands off me. You've been assigned the job you're best at, just like everyone else. What if I refuse? Then you'll be fired. Fine. Out of a cannon into the sun. But I don't like being a delivery boy. Well, that's tough. Lots of people don't like their jobs, but we do them anyway. You gotta do what you gotta do. Now hold out your hand. I'm gonna implant your career chip. It'll permanently label you as a delivery boy. Keep that thing away from me. Hold still, damn it. I don't have good depth perception. You've got to the count of five to let me out of here. One. See you in a thousand years. <laughs> oh. You owe me one.
1: So after Fry busts out, he bumps in into. Uh, well, he doesn't bump into Bender straight away, does he? So he kind of goes out, has a little wander, decides that he needs to make a phone call. Yeah. Um, is he? He's trying to call Farnsworth at this oh, point.
2: Yeah. He goes. I have to make a collect call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Because it's his only living relative. It yeah. is a tidy way to commit suicide. I'll give him that. And great, 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 great nephew, old yeah. guy. <laughs> it takes takes like five minutes to <laughs> yeah, go yeah, through yeah. the great, 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 yeah. great, great. Yeah.
1: Um. But I love how quickly Fry and Bender, like, you can tell that they're going to be friends from the outset.
2: Yeah, it, it, Bender wasn't quite Bender. And at all, and I'm hundred percent. But he's pretty close. Yeah, it was. It was a bit too. Like when Fry said, you, "You called him a friend." He goes, "You want to be my friend?" I just didn't feel like Bender. Yeah. Bender's a lone wolf. Yeah, whilst he's Whilst he still does he still does love Fry. Still loves yeah, I was going to say,
1: Bender's always needed Fry. Yeah. And that's established here. He yeah. can go be a lone wolf in every other element, but he needs Fry. That's true. Which I love. Like, you need that in any kind of buddy, adventure, relationship type deal. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I, you know what I absolutely love, by the way? And this is like a kind of thing on that if you've only been assigned that this is one thing that you have to do for your entire life, then what your conversation is going to be like. When Bender is talking about how good a bender is.
0: Man, that's as bad as my job. Really? What do you do, Bender? I'm a bender. I bend girders. That's all I'm programmed to do. You any good at it? You kidding? I was a star. I could bend a girder to any angle. 30 degrees, 32 degrees, you name it. 31. 31. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's a little unsure on 31. <laughs> I really love that joke. He's kind of lost belief in himself too, hasn't he? A little and bit. It, fr- Fry is the one that makes people realise they're better than what they think they are. Yeah. That Fry is Hogarth in The Iron Giant. You are who you choose to be. Do you know, that's actually the, the Nibbler shadow. So the hmm. reason Nibbler pushed him into the cryogenic Chamber was because in later seasons, Fry, him being so dim-witted and lack of knowledge, was what saves the Earth. Which is why right, they went okay. back in time. They needed someone who was dumb. So, that's why they pushed him in So, that that's chamber. why they pushed him in. That's yeah. very cool.
1: And again, it's very cool in the fact that it's not retconning. Like, no. if that's what they'd planned from the outset, that's yeah. amazing.
2: There's, there's no way anyone can disprove them.
1: No. Which is the best kind of lie. Yeah. I really... So, visual jokes as well as nerdy jokes and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Fry and Bender hiding in the museum amongst the heads. Hilarious. It's classic comedy. Like, that's one of those moments where I'm watching this. Ash is sitting on the couch next to me at home, maybe looking at her phone, looks up, and without having seen any of the context, just get, it's one of
0: those.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, and it's then tr- back to watch this Three Stooges kind of comedy. A little bit, yeah. Um, but it's just, it's it's what you expected to happen, and then it did it anyway. Like, yeah. okay, this is the obvious joke, but it's going to do it We're because just gonna it's going to do it anyway, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, actually, in that regard, I feel like Futurama and Scrubs share a certain See, amount.
2: Scrubs is a show that I never really watched. Yeah, that's okay. something that maybe we can get on to share it. a certain amount of DNA in
1: that style of
2: comedy. Um I've seen a few episodes. I've seen the one where the girl flashes her boobs at a kid. The blonde chick. She mm. lifts her top up. Okay. To make a kid happy or something. Yeah, that's most episodes. Okay. <laughs> that's no,
1: no, no, that's <laughs> that's a very nasty thing to say. I've only seen a handful of myself, but I've seen enough to kind of feel like there are similar okay. things. Um the Rockefeller date scene. So after they get out of the nice music as well. It was very, very nice music and a brilliant transition visually to go from them figure skating on the ice to the shark fins and whatever the fuck like octopus, the, like
2: from the trash compactor. Yeah, of yeah Star
1: yes, Wars. So it was like from the trash compactor in <laughs> Star Wars. Um, that sort of thing was it, it, like it was so beautifully animated. Was yeah. it animated in America or overseas or in house? I couldn't, t- couldn't tell you. You haven't
2: researched that. Ash, well, have you? <laughs> no, but this is why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> what what that that scene does though is makes you sort of puts you into that moment thinking, what would I do mm. if I was here? Would I miss everybody? Yeah, and would you want to live a thousand years in the future if I meant leaving everybody that you know now behind, including Ash? Uh, well, no. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, no. that's a pretty straightforward one for yeah. me. If I was a 25 year old with no attachments, true. Yeah, yes. Like, it's, it's your it's, girlfriend just dumped you and things like that. Yeah, yeah, horses
1: for courses. If Ash tomorrow says that's it, we're done. You know, I'll take a trip to year 3000. (laughs) Find that my album's gone multi-platinum and whatever else happened in that (laughs) shitty fucking song. (laughs) Um, You get in that scene when they're... The moment that Leela also turns from... She has hints throughout that maybe she thinks that there could be more. And when Bender bends the gate shut on her, you feel like there's this sense of longing from her not to catch them, but to be with them in that moment. And Leela starts talking about how... Alone, she is. That she's the only one-eyed alien on the planet. That her parents dumped her there and left her. At which point, I wrote down: Leela is Ray from Star
2: Wars. She really is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's when they're down in the sewers in old yeah. New York. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and it's the moment that they connect it, as well. Yeah, they connect, and it Rams home. But they give you the backstory for Leela in like t- ten seconds.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which again, it's so well done that like in this entire pilot episode, you know exactly who everyone is. Really, really quick, smart.
0: Oh, can't you leave me alone? I'm miserable enough already. Look, I know it's not much consolation, but I understand how you feel. No you don't. I've got no home, no family, no friends. My whole world is gone. You can't possibly understand what it feels like to be so alone. I understand. I'm the only one-eyed alien on this whole planet. My parents abandoned me here as a baby and I don't even know what galaxy they were from. I know how it feels to be alone. Look, Leela, I don't understand this world, but you obviously do. So I give up. If you really think I should be a delivery boy, I'll do it. (laughs) You, Chip! What are you doing? Quitting. Why? Because I've always wanted to. I just never realized it until I met you. What is the matter with you? I just wanted to be part of the moment. Hey, he stole my ring. Sorry. Well, that solves the mystery of the missing ring. This calls for a drink.
2: If you were watching this for the first time, would you leave this episode liking Bender, or do you, would you think he's oh. a jerk? I think I jerk, but a jerk I, that I could enjoy. When I was a kid, I remember I didn't like him. I thought he was just mean for no reason. Because at the start, when we first meet him, he's. Being friendly with Fry and everything, but by the end of it, he's making jokes at his expense. Yeah. He's more like bender towards the end. Yeah.
1: I got no I personally have no issue with saying that in a thing though, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's not necessarily someone you'd want as a friend, but I'm more than happy to watch someone else be exasperated by having him as a friend.
2: Oh, who wouldn't want a robot as a friend?
1: And that solves the mystery <laughs> of the missing ring. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That's very funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but robot as a friend, how great would that be? Would be oh, pretty iron cool. giant. You'd love the iron giant idea. Yeah. yeah. And the the final real thing that I guess we need to chat about is the introduction of Farnsworth. We've mentioned obviously great, 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 Time passes. Uncle.
2: Uh nephew. Fuck. Which is why it's funny. That's so annoying to actually do that again.
1: Anyway. Um it's a pretty funny introduction to a dottering old man. Yeah. Like it's the it's the typical what you'd expect from an old man. Like, here's my workbench and my stool, and that's my intergalactic spaceship. It's <laughs> what? A, a and drawer full of wire. A drawer full of assorted lengths of wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a... I mean, it's essentially futuristic Grandpa Simpson, really. Like, it's that same joke of... I've got nothing interesting
2: to talk about. Oh, by the way, there's my spaceship. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the fact that space travel isn't a big deal anymore. Yeah, no. F- Fry is doing exactly how we... He, yeah. Reacting how we would react. Yeah. We'd be like, holy fuck, a spaceship. Yeah. Let's go into space.
1: Oh, um, okay. So, they get into the spaceship. Yeah, They're yeah. about to blast off. It's the countdown for New Year's Eve. Now... The first one wouldn't work. <laughs> did you do any reading
2: about this, that... The first one or the second countdown? The second countdown? The last one. The first one, when they're first doing the... Before Fry falls in. Mm-hmm. So, that countdown were they all around the world.
1: Yeah. Well, both countdowns. So, Fry falls in at the minute of New Year's Eve, the second of New Year's Eve, and then he... In 1999. Then he wakes up in 2099, but he has the entire day to go about his business. So, yeah. I thought it was a day earlier as well. Yeah. So, but I mean, he was in there for a thousand years. Yeah. So, yeah. there would be people out there thinking, well, that doesn't work. He should have come out at the stroke of midnight. Yes. Yeah. So, have you read about this at all? No, I haven't, okay. but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, this is because... <laughs> yeah. Um, let me, I'll get up the exact
2: maths, if you will. Does year get shorter as we go on or something?
1: No, but there are some maths that can back this up. Okay. Um, and I'm just jumping into that particular
2: part of the wiki. Whilst you're finding that, I'm just going to say that, you know which character reminds me of you the most? Um. Terry. Which one's Terry? Welcome to the world (laughs) of tomorrow. (laughs) Shut up, Terry. Yeah, I'll I'll accept that. A little bit of showmanship.
1: The basic gist of it, I can't find the exact maths because my phone is being shit and the Futurama Futurama wiki is not navigating as well on the phone as it did on the um, PC. That's not my fault. I'm blaming... um, So, what you're saying is you're going to make this up on the spot? I've got a serious case of bootstrap uh, problems. No... The Gregorian calendar does not sync perfectly with time in general. So, things like leap years, all that sort of shit, that basically over the course, extrapolated out over the course of a thousand years, it might only be a minute over the course of any one year, but it adds up to be several hours time okay. in difference that the calendar year would have moved ahead as opposed to the actual, um, or behind rather, as opposed to the timer. Mm-hmm. So, there is math that backs it up.
2: What I time, of, what time of
1: day would he okay. have defrosted? Well, I haven't sat down and calculated that exactly. <laughs> what, you didn't do that
2: research? No. I just did <laughs> enough to know that it was not necessarily an error. One thing I, we forgot to mention is I love that they bring common known uh, sci-fi traits that we've come to love, like the Star Trek doors and things like that, but they put their own spin on it. Yeah. So Fry's expecting it to come from one way, bang, gets him Yeah, the other after
1: way. getting hit in the head first, yes. then he looks for it warily and then squish squished. The normal on. way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I thought that was fantastic. I did actually want to discuss with you the intro. I think they made the wise decision of not just starting with the Futurama intro, waiting for that moment where he actually got to the future, for the, the good stuff started before they yep. kicked in with the Futurama yeah. intro. Yeah, yeah. Think they didn't give anything away. Yeah, exactly right. They um, they
1: don't blow their wad beforehand and it would have been less exciting to see him pass into the future had you already seen a look of what it was going to be
2: I just remember being a kid sitting there and the first thing you see is a space video game and it's I was like, like this is amazing yeah. <laughs> but all in all it's a fantastic pilot yeah it's great it sets so much up for where the series is going to go yeah yeah as we mentioned they're
1: already crowbarring so many different references in sci-fi um, uh, it was sci-fi tributes and homages but also you know creating languages and all that sort of stuff that you know, not for the last time. that um, Stuff like that gets hidden. It's a really great... It's almost as much as a pilot, it's a mission statement of what this series is
2: going to yeah. be. Yeah, what's amazing when I think about it now is that because we've watched the series as a whole, this episode is so great, but it doesn't have any of the other characters in it. It's mm. just the three and Professor Farnsworth. They, they were still managed still And managed barely to- Farnsworth. Yeah, he was only in the last five or so minutes, but they still managed to pull it off.
1: Yeah. Uh, I should point out, Farnsworth, I don't know if he's actually... If this was the inspiration, but okay. Farnsworth shares a namesake in Philo Farnsworth, the inventor of the television, um, and one of the great inventing scientific minds. Really? So okay. I'm not.
2: What about Wernstrom?
1: Uh, Wernstrom, really good chef from uh, Hell's Kitchen. Really? No. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, what do you guys think of our review of our Space Pilot Three Thousand? We're really looking forward to getting into more future episodes. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm pumped. You look excited. I am excited. You've got a glint in your eye that you don't normally have. Yes. Dando, any final words? Welcome to the end of the podcast.